0: If you're like me and you're torn between the love my body at any size movement and the if I love my body, I need to make healthier choices to feel good too thought process, then you're in the right place. It's every day now that someone out there is telling us the next best thing on TikTok or Instagram ads or showing us another shortcut and it is exhausting. How about we heal our relationship with our bodies, exercise and food and give ourselves grace along the way. Let's do this together and celebrate the small stuff. Welcome to A Healthy Dose with Sadie Tolbert. Uh-oh, we're going to talk about something that is a very sensitive subject for some. We're going to talk about alcohol today. This is controversial. This is a pain point, a trigger point. This is an area that a lot of people struggle with because it is an addiction. This is something that can be so much fun and absolutely just a highlight, something that people can do responsibly. This is something that people really gather around all across the world. People have found alcohol to be a very community-based way to have fun and build friendships and build bridges and all kinds of great things but it can also start wars it can also kill people it can also really damage like in massive major ways and so this can just burn it can kind of hit you in ways that you didn't know were gonna hit you. And I'm gonna take this episode to talk a little bit about my experience, my personal life, and tie in some of those medical factors, those health factors, the side effects, like all of the things that come with drinking alcohol that you wanna consider when it comes to you and your choice. I don't know how many times I will, meet somebody talk to them and say i don't drink alcohol and they immediately need to explain to me why they do and it is none of my business if they drink alcohol or not it is not i don't care why you think one glass of wine a week is okay i don't care about how you used to drink every night and now you only drink every other night like that to me is a personal insecurity that they bring out to share to me because they feel like there is some sort of a, a step stone that I've put between me and them because I don't drink alcohol. I don't ever come around, come out and, and, and say like, I'm better than you guys because I don't drink alcohol. That is never ever my intention, but some people will assume that and it really is an insecurity on their own that they feel like they need to address. So let's kind of rewind a little bit to my upbringing. When I was born, my dad had already been clean for a while. He hadn't been drinking, you know, he would, was a part of a program, all of these things. And so I grew up watching him go to AA. He went to these meetings. I knew the serenity prayer, all this stuff came up. I didn't have alcohol in the house. My mom didn't drink either. There was not ever... You know, a sign in sight. And I'm very thankful and very blessed to not have experienced that because I've heard of these horror stories about people who've had drunk parents, XYZ. But there are certain traits from people who've had an issue before that have been addicted that follow them throughout their life. I want to protect, you know, my dad, his privacy, his life, and things like that. I'm just talking about my perspective as his daughter. So I saw traits and different things that had come about from his experience that had knocked down through me. So I am still what is considered a daughter of an addict. I am somebody who, um, would find great benefit in, in groups and things like Al-Anon because there is so much that comes from the family that can't do anything to control their loved one who has in a true addiction, a true, you know, issue with their need to drink alcohol. And so the emotional side of that was something that I didn't even know I was experiencing growing up my entire life. Later on in around high school was when alcohol did start showing up in my world. It was something like my stepmom started having some alcohol around the house and I went to my Oma's house and she had some alcohol in the basement. My Oma's my grandmother and my older sister, I'd babysit her kids and she'd have alcohol in the house. And so it started showing up and when kids and people in my world started talking about it. That's when I was like, well, I want to taste it. So I'd go and take a swig here and there. And I, it got, was so glorified. It was so, you know, big and cool in high school that of course, like somebody like me who wants to be, you know, in the cool crowd was, you know, partaking. And I started my relationship with alcohol as this is how I fit in. This is you know, regardless of what my parents taught me, regardless of what I saw back home, all I cared about was fitting in and doing as those that I was looking highly upon were doing. It's all in the movies, in my favorite shows, drinking, drinking, drinking. So I had a few episodes in high school where I had overdone it, um, the Lord, you know, like they think everything, the universe, all of the things above, that I didn't get into any trouble, that I didn't get myself in a position where it was, you know, compromising my my safety. But I look back and think, dang, that was lucky. I can't believe I did that, and so. My transition from high school into one year of college at a very well-known party school in the area with a few friends that were already like on that track to be let's get as much alcohol as we can really just bred a ground for me to be all about it. Any chance I could, felt like I was really cool, all these things, but I threw up more often than I feel like most people did. I hated that feeling. I absolutely hated it. I hated the hangover. I couldn't stand, you know, losing money from work because I was too hungover to go in. I was scared for my friends, you know. What if they where did they go last night? Like they were with me and then they weren't. You know, there was a lot of things that just didn't make sense. But at that time, you know, when you're a young adult, like Or even you know a teenager your brain isn't fully developed so my parents didn't know people didn't know what i was putting myself into and looking back now as a parent i want to make sure that i am educating and, and keeping an eye on my kids super close to make sure that they don't find themselves in similar situations like i care about their safety i care about them wanting to care about their bodies and so that's just something that I've learned and me sharing with you guys, this, this side of me and this, these stories is important in, in my healing and things like that as well. So after I met my husband, which we met at age 19, got married at 20, we, you know, were then legal after a while, you know, after we were 21 and, and we really uh, did have fun with it and it is glorified in the military. Like no matter what they say. It is 100 a part of tradition you can go to an army ball military ball and they're going to just stuff you full of tons of alcohol like it is something that is very common and um you see it from the top down you see these you know high-ranking individuals like drinking and and having a great time and so that really does okay all of the levels on down And of course, the longer you've been in, the better you get at responsibility wise and things like that. But the longer that you've been in the military, the more stuff you've experienced and it can be a higher chance of dependency then. And so we've known a lot of higher ranking military that have completely quit drinking because of similar similar situations to mine and my husband's. So many years after we've joined the military, we had gone dry for a while. Like we had basically... um, Done different variations of drinking and what was working for us, what wasn't working for us. After we had kids, it was okay, so are we drinking both at the same time, or is one of us saying sober? You know, who's watching our children? For me, is the is in my situation, I was always afraid that I would be totally hammered. And a babysitter would call up and say, we've got to take your daughter to the hospital, meet us in the ER. And now I have to be completely hammered and trying to figure out how to get to the ER and how to talk to doctors and how to, you know, take care of a child that who knows what happened to them, that they needed to go to the ER. So I always struggled with that, like side of the anxiety. Um, Not only did I continue to have horrible hangovers in the military, horrible, you know, episodes of throwing up, rinsing my mouth out with toilet water, like just awful, awful, embarrassing moments. Like it wasn't hard for me to finally say I'm done. I didn't struggle not drinking when I was pregnant. I didn't struggle like being the DD. It wasn't something, even though I'm genetically predispositioned to having an issue with alcohol because of my dad, like I did not have a hard time giving up alcohol. It just wasn't like it hooked into me, like other addictions in my life, like that really made it difficult. My husband, on the other hand, did struggle. He's a very, very, very strong man. He's mentally strong. He's physically strong. And this was something that was tricky for him, but he did really well. Like Once we decided we're done, we don't need this in our life. It was messing with us. It was messing with our marriage. We were having just differences, trouble communicating. Like, what was the alcohol masking? Like, we had a lot of things that kept coming back to it's time for change. We need to go without it. And during this time of us, you know, leaning more towards getting away from alcohol i was getting the education about nutrition and health and of course i had been through nursing school at that point and i'd been in the er i had seen the results of drunk driving i have re- seen the results of chronic alcoholism and what it does to your liver what it does to your family is like i'd seen it and so that side of the evidence was building back up and i You know, I I can't even feel bad in like sharing this piece of information, but my dad went back to drinking later in his life. And that I'm sharing that because I want you to know how powerful the addiction can be. And you can go decades without drinking and it can still have a chokehold on you. So if you are listening to this and you have a loved one that is struggling with their addiction with alcohol, know that it is an actual medical diagnosis, it is a struggle for them on a level, not just like, hey, man, don't drink like, hey, man, you know, stop being anxious. It is the same thing with like obesity. Hey, man, go lose some weight. These are medical issues that that have multiple factors in play. And it doesn't matter how disciplined you are, how strong you are, how great your family is, like how great your life is. If you have an addiction, you have an addiction. And so it takes a lifelong work to continue with that. And so when Brad and I both decided to quit drinking, um, it was harder for him. And he had recognized that the drinking was masking some things that he had to take care of. And he had to go and get that assistance and that help and reach out to professionals to say, hey, I don't want to be like one of those crusty old, you know, military guys that have been in for 20 years that can't go to bed with at night without a couple of fingers of whiskey, you know, like, that you know is hiding and masking all of these things so he went out and got help and i think that that is one of the bravest things that you can do and so when you are in a place where you're thinking about considering quitting alcohol there really are a lot of factors that need to come in. You know, where are you at emotionally? Where are you at physically? If you don't have a drink tonight, are you going to have some side effects tomorrow? Have you recognized that there is some sort of a physical dependency, or do you feel like it is emotional dependency? Is it social dependency? Can you go out with a group of people and be the only one to not drink? Do you give in to peer pressure? Do you realize that it's having an effect on you financially? Like all of these things come into play. Now, when it comes to your health and your physical body, alcohol is for, you know, just honesty, the best word is a poison. It gets into your body and your body has to go into overdrive to process it. That is why you feel drunk. That is why you feel buzzed. It's because your body is having to basically contort itself into these acrobatic moves in order to get it out of the system. So if you've ever been wise and like drank a ton of water throughout the day, ate good meals and then went to drink, you might notice it's a different kind of buzz. It's a different kinds of drunk. You might not even have a hangover because a lot of the hangover symptoms are basically dehydration symptoms. So if you are able to figure out your body's needs for pre-gaming to drink alcohol, you might not have as hard of a time, you might have one of those bodies where you can take down a twenty-four pack of beer and be okay. And when they say somebody's a lightweight or somebody's, you know, can just throw back a whole, you know, fifth and not even affect them, or I don't even know what the correct terminology is. Like that—that that has to do with your personal makeup and your body's ability to cope. You will notice that some people that are larger in body size can take in more because they have more to have to filter through. And then other people who are maybe, you know, skinny as a rail, they can take in a lot in their body. That just has to do with their gut health. It has to do with their liver health, their kidney health. Like how much water are they drinking? You know, what have they been through? What's their stress level like? There's so much to come into factor. You can't compare yourself to somebody else. Like that I will tell you in every single episode, do not compare your story in your body, in your situation to the guy next to you. Even if you have so much in common, you don't know what their gut microbiome looks like. You don't know what their, you know, family genetic predisposition looks like. There's so much that comes into play that just can change that for you. So you have to look inward and see your own body. Now, as your body is doing all of this to filter this poison, a lot of alcoholic drinks are filled with sugary substances, whether it's mixing it with soda or mixing it with different, you know, flavors and, and margarita mix and, you know, daiquiri and all this stuff. You are now adding that inflammatory process into this contortion that your body is going through to try to rid this. And if you are, you know, eating out, for example, you going out to, you know, Mexican restaurant, you're going to town with these margaritas that are high in sugar. Now you're also eating chips that are going to be high in salt. You are going to be eating food that is like higher in fat and things like that. So, like, you are pouring gasoline on the fire to make it a harder time for your body to process. You're not going to sleep well. You're not going to recover. You're not going to, like, it's going to lower your immune system. You're not going to be able to fight off the things that you normally would have. Fi- off before and you know talking about the military guys would go into pt in the morning and still be drunk and like you can smell the alcohol through their sweat as they're running that is not recommended but somehow it became a major flex in the military where ha ha you know i can do that and i even hear people in the veteran space that i work in right now like look back on that as a fond memory like ha ha i remember when we used to do that oh i can't do that now well you're paying for it now because every decision that you make in your life is going to have an effect on you at different times, especially when you are like chipping away at your organs. You only get one organ your entire life. And sure there are these massive great technology movements in the medical field that can allow you to get a liver transplant or kidney transplant, heart transplant, lung transplant. But that is literally not a backup plan. That is not a plan B. That is not something you should bank on. You have to wait in line for that. You have to battle, you have to get into a wait list next to people who are way more need or have massive, like young people, like other factors. So you also have to wait for somebody to die in order to get that like in most cases, and I don't mean all because you can get a liver transplant from somebody who's alive and, and a kidney transplant from somebody that's alive, i Z. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to be generic here. So when it comes to that, that shouldn't be your plan B. That shouldn't be in the game. Like even with things that you're like, oh, I could just get surgery. Surgery should not be in one of the first top choices in any matter. Like there are so many other things you can do before that. And so it is a great tool. It is awesome that we have that ability but it shouldn't be your first line of defense. So for your body, think of it as an investment. You only get this one shot and sure, it is fun to go out and get drunk and do silly things with your friends and laugh and have a good time. Can you do that without alcohol? Absolutely. I do it all the time and I have a great fun time. So it is just an enhancement that you can do without and is the risk worth the benefit? So in the grand scheme of things, the investment in your body, your organs being the one and only organ that you are born with, that you have to take care of your entire life, the massive impact that it has on your body when it comes to recovery, when it comes to your immune system, when it comes to how you're gonna feel the next day, when you're drunk, it's a couple of hours you could be hung over for a couple of days. You don't know your body's threshold to alcohol poisoning. That is basically when you've had so much that your body cannot, cannot get through all of it filtered with your kidneys. And now it is backed up and stored in your liver. That's where people start to develop things like cirrhosis, um, Oh, I can't think of the other one. I was going to say hepatitis, but I think that's uh, more of like, it does affect your liver. But anyway, um, pancreatitis is another one. There's so many things. and Did you notice there's a lot of itises there? So that means inflammation. So alcohol causes inflammation. So if you are somebody who has risk of autoimmune or risk of cancer or anything else, like alcohol just straight up exacerbates it. It's really something you have to ask yourself. Is it worth it? And now, when you are considering the whole everything in moderation, that is a great general rule to live by. I'm never gonna tell you don't drink alcohol. I'm never gonna tell you don't consume sugar. I'm never gonna tell you anything. As a health coach, as a friend, as a human, do whatever you wanna do. You get to make the decisions of what makes sense for you and your body, your family, your lifestyle, all of those things. But when it comes to considering the risk versus benefit, truly take a look back and giving yourself that sweet spot for you that makes sense. Will you be okay without alcohol? Will you be okay making good choices before you drink so that you are having less side effects, not having a hangover, you know, XYZ. Can you drink alcoholic beverages that are organic? Can you drink ones that don't have that additional sugar? What can you do to make this a healthier version that makes sense for your lifestyle? I'm not saying that this is the end all be all or anything like that. And that's why I pre, you know, started this message here today as a, this might you know, be a little bit triggering. This might really, you know, dive into an area of your life that you didn't know that you needed to evaluate. Maybe you want to take a couple years off of drinking. Maybe you want to see how you go with a week or two dry. And if that has a massive effect on you to where you are really feeling like crap, that's going to be a telltale sign. Maybe you need to be done or maybe you need to reevaluate your your frequency of drinking and things like that. So as always, like my kind of rule of thumb with my podcast, my education, all of my stuff, it this is an opportunity for self-reflection. What is your relationship like with alcohol? Does it have an like a, a complete and utter chokehold on you? Or are you in a good place where you feel like you have control over it? Do you feel like you are setting the right example for the people around you with your level of control? If you've ever seen somebody who is so drunk beyond their mildest dreams that they are not themselves, you know, they call it the um, truth serum, you know, liquid courage, like all of these different nicknames for it. You have probably seen somebody out there that has been drunk that have shown has shown a really ugly side of themselves. Is that something that you want people to see? Is that something that you are okay with for your reputation, for your well being, for all of these things? These are questions I want you to just really think about. And I want you to take a look around and see who's watching you. Do you have kids that are watching your every move? Do you have people that look up to you as a mentor? Do you have, you know, younger siblings or cousins, nieces and nephews? Like, what about your parents? You know, like there's so much that can come into play. I want you to just think back. Is it worth the physical effects? Is it worth the mental, emotional, spiritual, all of those things? And make that decision for you. If you felt like I was a little bit more biased on this, you know what? Good. I, I think I can be. And it, I want to be. And so thanks for listening. I am here as a guide for anybody who might need some support. That might be curious about quitting and want to maybe come up with a plan. Um, I can sit in there and be your accountability partner. I am just putting myself out there as somebody that you can come to. And so, if we've never met before, check out my website, get in touch with me. If we are friends, like you know how to get a hold of me. So, I want nothing but the best for you. I want you to feel good. I want you to take care of yourself in all of these areas because it matters to me how you feel and how you show up as a person. So think it over. I hope this marinates and uh, have a great day guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you haven't yet, please subscribe for more and leave a review. If you got something great out of today, please share with your family and friends. And as always, please remember to consult with your primary care provider if you have any questions or concerns. This podcast is meant to be educational and based off of my experience. Have a great day. You are unique and amazing and beautiful.